Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with not one, but two of the stars of the off-Broadway revival of Maltby and Shire's iconic musical, Baby. Today, I'm speaking with the incomparable Julia Murney, who is playing Arlene in the Out of the Box Theatrics production, and Liz Fleming, who just so happens to be the company's producing artistic director, and is playing Lizzie. The show begins performances at the incredibly intimate Theater Lab on 36th Street on November 5th and is currently scheduled to run through December 12th. We, of course, will have links to where you can purchase tickets and everybody's appropriate social media handles in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. In our conversation, Julie and Liz talk about working with Richard Maltby Jr., about how to bring this distinctly 80s show into the 21st century, what Julia requires, absolutely requires, from every audience member when doing a show that is as site-specific and intimate as this one is. Liz also discusses OOTB's mission to include marginalized groups in the company's shows, and there's a lot more in there as well about this really, really exciting production that I'm looking forward to seeing. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Julia Murney and Liz Fleming. Liz and Julia, thank you again for for doing this. You just got out of a Sunday evening rehearsal. You are just uh, a little over a week-ish away from the beginning of performances. Is it asking too much to know how things are going thus far? Things are going perfectly well, but you need to know the visual is that just now when you said uh, you're a little over a week away for performances, we both sort of put our head in our hands, not in a like uh, it's not a a natural disaster sort of a way. It's just a, oh, is it going to rain kind of way? (laughs) Always something, I'm sure. Yeah, but just because we're feeling, I mean, it's just a lot. It's It's a a lot. It's a lot to do. And the 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 remarkable thing that out of the box is is endeavoring to do with this show is to I keep calling it a gr- the grand experiment because <laughs> that's really what it is mm-hmm. because is to yank the show into the 21st century because as it's written the book is is very dated yeah. and, and sits in the 80s and so because of that and because we have Richard Maltby um, with us working on it and he's so I've, I've worked with Richard before and mm-hmm. I love him and, but he's, he's so malleable mm-hmm. and so open yeah. where someone could be very, you know, it's hard when you're, it's this piece that you've written and it came out of you and, and he and Sybil who, who wrote the book originally, but you know, he's been with it for a long time. And instead of getting defensive or weird, he's just like, Oh, and he listens and mm-hmm. you're not always listened to as an actor. So I, I really, no. really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a joy to have him there and, and to know that he, um, he's not going to come, you know, uh, getting defensive about anything. If any of us just have thoughts or concerns and it's just been such a collaborative process so far, which has been really, really exciting. Well, and as I think a lot of people probably know, this isn't the first time that Out of the Box has done Baby. And there were changes with that um, initial one. You took a a, uh, a heterosexual couple and turned it into a lesbian couple. And that seems to be continuing in this. As Julia mentioned, you are trying to make this a little bit more of a modern piece from a show that was firmly entrenched in not only 
the the you know the society of the 80s but also the you know in some ways the musical landscape of the 80s and the politics of the 80s as you are morphing this into something that feels like the 21st century beyond that change with Pam and Nick slash Nikki what are some things that people who know this piece and come to see it with this production might notice are different it maybe not dramatically or maybe subtly uh, from what they know from the past. Well, yeah, when we did it before, um, I will say it was, this might seem fast and furious for us right now, but that process was even faster yeah. and more <laughs> furious um, because we didn't know Richard at the time. We sort of started, we just purchased the rights from MTI. We kind of just ran with it and they had approved us doing the middle couple, but we really couldn't touch any of the other couples. We couldn't really explore those other couples because we had to have the writers in the room. And we were very, I was very fortunate that when I wrote uh, Richard an email and David Shire an email, they responded and they wanted to be a part of the process, but they came in in the middle of that process. They came in when we were in previews. So at that point, we really couldn't um, further examine a lot of these other relationships. And what we discovered, I think probably a month before we started rehearsal, was that um, all of us individually have experiences as actors that we can bring to the show. And I myself am legally blind. The um, the actor playing Danny is uh, is deaf, uh, partially deaf. And we had talked to Richard about that. And he said, well, that has to be written in. And um, wow. so now our experiences as disabled individuals and as a couple and our challenges that we're facing within that are, are being written into the storyline. And um, I know that Julia can discuss her experience as well, but it's kind of been this whole transformation process where now the entire story is, is really coming from the collaboration of the artists in the room, which is exactly why I built out of the box in the first place and why it exists. Um, and the fact that Richard was so, open to um, exploring that and to really make these couples uh, be like they are like like families that face this these challenges today. I think that people are going to have a really uh, a visceral reaction to all of the couples because they will see themselves on stage. And I think that that is so important with with baby in general, and especially if we're going to yank it into the 21st century. So and I think as 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 far as the, if I shall say, the older couple uh, goes. I didn't say it. You said it. I wasn't going to go there. Fine. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, but uh, is so we are uh, about ish a decade older than the couple as initially written, um, which you have to be partially just because a woman who is 40 uh, in the 80s discovering that she's pregnant was a, what are you going to do? A woman who is 40 today discovering she's pregnant is okay. And you know, it's just not a thing that, that elicits yeah. the kind of, um, so it was interesting because I think that the older couple seemed given the real shifting that was going to go on with the, it, uh, it, to call them like the middle couple and the younger couple, they seem like a, oh, it's sort of the same thing. They just happen to be older. And it's it's not. It's actually, they are written, as you mentioned, like squarely in 1983-ish. And um, and it, so there's a, a lot that, that is being addressed that I think is su surprising. But it's it's also, it's just, this is my favorite thing to do mm -hmm. is, is to do a new show. And this isn't a new show, but it's, it's, it is certainly not any, the flavor of baby that still exists is the delicious score. 
that is still there. And people will still hear all the songs. I mean, of course there are little changes here and there, but like they, they will hear the songs that they love. Mm -hmm. But um, if they happen to know the book, it's wildly different. It, it, not in um, uh, maximum scope, but all of the minimum scope inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's interesting, Julie, you mentioned that people will know the songs if they you know, are familiar with Baby. And you mentioned the fact that you'd worked with Maltby and Shire and done at least one Maltby and Shire show before, and I'm sure done more and sung plenty of songs in cabarets. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you actually sang a song in a previous Maltby and Shire show that you are now singing in baby. Is that, am I getting that correct? Going back no, to closer I, I, than ever? I did closer than ever, but patterns was not in my track. Oh, of okay. So, um, but it is now. No, <laughs> yeah, second time around, you needed to make sure you got it in, uh, in the second well, time. It's also, it's, it's one of those experiences, but I mean, I saw baby on Broadway in the eighties. I, as, as a high schooler and, um, and I had the cassette tape cast recording of it. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. And I definitely did not pay as much attention to that older couple. <laughs> you know, like you're just like, well, anyway, they're just all mature and whatever. And now, of course, I'm like, and here we are. <laughs> but well, I'm actually grateful to have that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and th what's so fascinating about this production is not only does it kind of seem to fit in the scope of what Out of the Box does in terms of kind of taking a new, you know, kind of different look at the at the source material, but I love this. I don't know if it, are you calling it site specific, um, not immersive, but kind of um, very much a, a unique per production, I guess, is, you know, I think it's site specific in a loft. Um, and that just seems so in line with everything that you've done with out of the box over the years, Liz, with, you know, doing stuff on, you know, playgrounds or especially the last five years that was done virtually in an apartment. What do you think that with this show, with these three different couples at various points in their lives going through a similar um, event, how does that get influenced by the surroundings that you were doing this particular production in? Well, that's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, the space that we're in now is still loft space. It will, it is a uh, more of a, a theatrical yeah, space. Lighting and that. that being said, you know, um, I really think that when examining a show, I usually try to look at how is the audience going to be influenced by the storytelling. And I think for this production, it's as if the audience is a fly on the, on the, on the wall. You know, it is as if they are walking into the living room of these individual couples and happen to be there examining the challenges that they probably themselves have faced or can see themselves, you know, having faced and having to face in the future. And, um, so uh, I, I think that the intimacy of the space will provide um, that sort of lens into um, their homes and into a more intimate approach that, you know, if, if we were farther away, we may not see. Now, part of the reason why I did site-specific theater is because I'm legally blind and because I would prefer to be closer. Um, uh, it's harder for me when things are farther away. So also there's that accessibility. That's why I chose to do site-specific theater. That's a big part of it. But also... Um, it has to influence and be specific to the show that we're doing. And for this specific show, I think it's going to have a huge effect because nobody's going to feel removed from what's happening. And it's funny because when the press release came out um, and it said immersive, I had several people contact me and they were like, 
what does that mean? And I was like, it's going to be in Liz Calloway's home or <laughs> oh, I, big bucks for those tickets. Yeah. yeah one, one friend of mine said, will someone be giving birth during the show? And I didn't even entirely understand, but now being in the space, the space is so intimate that the audience is quite literally immersed in the world of the play. Mm-hmm in a way it's so it's not immersive in that we're in a you know a, a, a birthing center right and it's, it's not sleep no yeah. more or something no. where you're like in it so but, that word yeah. immersive sometimes <laughs> can, can, it led me down the wrong path yeah. <laughs> but now i get it now i understand <laughs> for both of you as as performers um you know liz obviously you have it coming from the the producing artistic director side but for both of you as performers what does that do for you to kind of change how you uh, approach things. Obviously, it's a lot different when you're doing it in a, however, you know, 60, 75 person audience loft versus, you know, playing to the back of the Gershwin, Julia, that's a different thing. But, you know, how do you prepare to do something when you know people are going to be right up on you, maybe even closer than they would be on like a cabaret stage even? I mean, the kick of it is also not only will people be close to us, but frankly, it will be impossible for us not to, at some points, be very aware of people's faces. Mm-hmm. So, so there isn't the, I mean, sometimes for me, there's a safety net of when the lights come up, I can't really see mm-hmm. uh, w- because the lights are so bright. I can tend to, I tend to not be able to see much by way of audience, which is better because I don't, I can't concentrate on them. And I've already told a few people, I'm like, you better get your face ready because I will see you <laughs> and I don't care what you're actually thinking, but you better give me good face. Yeah. Uh, but it's, um, I, I hadn't thought of it necessarily, but as you're mentioning it, Matt, I feel like it, it's it's a little bit like um, film acting. Mm. It's mm. it's the same thing. It's just that you can trust that you can be a bit smaller. You can be more intimate unto yourself mm-hmm. because you don't have to hit the back wall of the Gershwin. I mean, you also realize that when when you do play the Gershwin, you 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 can't hit the back wall all the time either because sure. unless that's exactly the kind of show you're doing mm-hmm. you know so there's a weird balance of trying to be uh well realistic when you're painted green and flying in the air feels ridiculous <laughs> to say but um, uh but yeah the, it, there's just a there's a just a dialing down mm-hmm. of it uh where, I mean, I've also like, I've done shows at the Muni in St. Louis, which is 11,000 seats outside. And you literally, if there's the first show I saw there, I remember was spam a lot. And I realized very quickly, because it's almost entirely men, mm-hmm. you have to move if you have a line. Otherwise, I don't know who's talking mm-hmm. because it's so oh, wow. big. It's wow. and you're so far away. You like have to shift your body somehow mm-hmm. and, and to find a way to make it organic for me to be like, oh, it's Sir Robin speaking just now mm-hmm. or whatever. We do not have to do that here mm-hmm. at Theater Lab. You're going to be pretty, pretty aware of who is speaking at all times. Yeah. And then when all nine of us get on, is there, are there nine of us? There are yeah. nine of us. Mm-hmm. When all nine of us get on stage and it does happen, then it's kind of like a, it's almost like a choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. You could just come see the show multiple times and decide who you want to follow in the group numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's a good way to sell multiple to, to tickets to people to come multiple times. Like Choose your own adventure. Thank I, was you. Good. I didn't tell her to do that. No, I just did that in my own accord. Not my first time at the rodeo. No, no, no. Get her on that marketing team. Um, but so this is like you were talking about earlier, Liz, that one of the reasons that you found it out of the box was to kind of showcase um, marginalized uh, groups that don't always have the opportunity to um, have a spotlight on them in the theatrical uh, community. You mentioned um, you being legally blind and, and Johnny uh, being uh, partially deaf. As you go about choosing shows, is finding ways to incorporate different communities part of that decision-making process? Or do you just pick a show and then try to find things that fit throughout the creative process? Um, it's both, I will say. I think that, uh, you know, if there's a show that I love and that there are many, um, <laughs> and I will usually then go through it and decide if it's something that I feel uh, could be supported or could use a different lens, could use a different um, um, idea, or there could be more inclusion within that production. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, it's kind of pick and choose. If it's a new work, usually it is geared towards some sort of marginalized community that, you know, we, we want to elevate. Um, but for example, with like la with last five years, you know, it was a show that I really wanted to do and I thought was good, was interesting, but I thought, you know, how do you really, how do we do that? Right. And then, you know, Nick and Nasia sent me an email saying that they were interested in between the last five years. And I said, well, there you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how you do it. So sometimes <laughs> you, you just sort of have to, um, uh, kind of take some chances and, and find some shows that you like, and then, um, the artists and the communities that you want to support will, will come along the way. But, um, generally I will try to go through a, a, like five or six shows that I'll look at and then I'll, I'll really brainstorm how we can do them in the most effective way, utilizing our mission. Because ultimately, you know, if I just were to say, I'm going to do a show that's all with, you know, this community or that community that I'm not really doing the work because then I'm just sort of, you know, kind of saying that that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm not opening up the doors for all the opportunities that can, that can be showcased in that. So. Well, I mentioned that this is a return for baby and you brought up the last five years in Nick and Asia. I, 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 as I'm looking at your, your website, I'm seeing some of the, the quotes that I said about that production show up on your, uh, as your pool quotes. So that shows you how much I loved that production. <laughs> Is there any chance that we see something, um, again from that, like we are from baby? I don't want to steal any thunder if that's a something in the future, but I would not be upset if that happened. Um, I will say, keep looking. There's, there's okay. a good chance something is going to happen. Yes. Okay. I will uh, hold you to that. And, uh, okay. if I don't see it soon, I will be let contacting you for more information. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, getting back, uh, to baby, this is a, a show that as we talked about is kind of been one of those shows that has kind of lived as you know, on the borderline, I think it's fair to say like a cult show that musical theater people really know and love the score of, but don't often have an opportunity to see it done, um, especially at, at, a, at a level with this kind of cast and talent. As people are trying to decide, OK, I'm you know going to be looking for a show in the month of November. What makes 
Baby, and specifically this production of Baby, something that is um, going to be different from maybe any other production that they could see either of this show or anything else going on in New York at the time? Well, I think in terms of, of this particular show, you will not see any other pr- production of this show because this show is is, is new. It, mm-hmm. It's it's new, and um, and I, I think in terms of this time in the world, mm-hmm. there I think that theater and the arts is is there to serve a lot of different. There, there I think some theater is is going to be seen through a lens of like a, of a recovery lens and a, and trying to work through trauma lens and some theater is there to kind of send you out joyful mm-hmm. and, and on a cotton candy cloud. And I think this particular production of baby lies somewhere in the middle of those things. Yeah. I mean, it is a joyous show. It really is. It's just, it, it's joyous, but there's a lot of, especially now with all of the rewrites and all of the different um, uh, issues that it that it touches upon, uh, that so it, it takes you to a place of there will certainly be people who come to see the show who um, respond to it in a very different manner from the person sitting right next to them, sure, because of their own personal experience, which is true, I suppose, with any piece of art, obviously, but with something as um, sort of miraculous slash mundane as having children, hmm. that. Um, that there are going to be things that really spin people off their axis a little bit. But in the end, I think the hope, and I think the achievement, I hope, is that it sends you out just going, there can be goodness in this world. There can be light in this world that can feel overwhelmingly dark sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was that kind of leads me right into what I want to kind of to wrap up with. And and Liz, you've obviously been a part of both of these uh, productions of Baby, both uh, on stage and off stage. And I wonder, obviously, from the success and and you know even you know ticket sales standpoint, I'm sure that was a part of it. But why did this feel like the right show to bring back? post-pandemic. I assume it had a lot to do with what Julia was just talking about, about kind of the messages and the feelings that people have uh, in the theater and leaving the theater. But from your perspective, I, I'm really curious about why that was the, uh, the right choice for Out of the Box. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I I discovered in the middle of the pandemic that it was probably a blessing that we didn't do it in 2020, because I don't think you would have seen any of these rewrites that are happening right now if we had done it then. Um, Mm -hmm. And the world is different. And because the world is different, um, we're all coming in with a different perspective, all of us. So I think I felt that we hadn't gotten the story right in 2019. And I, I really wanted to get it right. And then halfway through, you know, shutdown, I thought, if we don't do this show really right, where we really start examining these relationships and these stories and, and, and what the world is now, then we're really, I'm really not doing my job as an artistic director and I'm really not uh, producing the show the way that it should be produced. So um, I really pushed to make it happen because I thought that now this production of baby will have a much larger effect than it would have had in 2020. And I think that people are going to see themselves on stage. I think families are gonna see themselves in this production. And that's why I wanted to bring it back because uh, underrepresented families 
are not represented very often in the theatrical community. They're just not. And um, it needs to be seen more often and um, explored. And, you know, audiences need to see themselves in, in the stories we tell. So that's why. That's great. Well, I could not be more excited. I love so much of what you do it out of the box. And just I love these kind of reexaminations of shows that we think we know. And uh, I'm uh, uh, very much looking forward to seeing this and cannot wait to see you both on stage. Uh, apparently very, very up close and personal. So uh, put your face on, Matt. Put your I, face on. I will be there with bells and a face on. 